0: Yeah, I realized Andy had a lot of following. I mean, many people were fascinated by his style of notes website. And I mean, I really wanted to get it working, but I didn't know that it would have a lot of people who wanting their own uh, website as Andy's website.
1: Hello there. Welcome to Rome FM. Here we dive into the minds, workflows, and machinations of the Rome cult, the believers of Rome research. My name is Norman Chella, and I am on a mission to deconstruct wisdom from all walks of life so we can understand each other better. In this episode, we talk with Aravind Bala, who is a software developer working remotely from Hyderabad, India. He loves JS and CSS, likes to build stuff, document the process online, and share the knowledge he gains. He is also the co-host of the Learning Curve podcast, sharing his findings, discoveries, and his learning journey with the other host, Britik. One of the interesting things that Arvin has created is the noted Gatsby theme Andy, which is inspired by the works of Andy Matuschek and is based on Gatsby theme brain. Essentially, a digital gardening theme with horizontal scrolling and pages based on Gatsby, which is fantastic. We talked about quite a variety of topics in this episode, ranging from Arvin's note-taking workflows how the roles of Notion and Rome differ in his work, the history behind the makings of Gatsby theme Andy, and his process in creating content for the Learning Curve podcast, its origin stories, and much more. We even dived into the nitty-gritty with Arvin giving examples of his evergreen notes his templates using Alfred, and much more. So, without further ado, if you want to find out more about this interesting note-taking journey, let's dive into my chat with Arvin Bala. First of all, super badass name. Like, <laughs> you know, can you imagine, like, someone calling you at the doctor's office, like Mr. Bala, right? Gets, <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Like, oh my god. Like, I, I'm, so, I'm so excited to, like, do the intro. For you, I just say like Mr. <laughs> Bala. ah, oh, uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Please do
0: it that way. Yeah, I like I it. I will, I will.
1: <laughs> so, we'll, might as well just get right into it, Mr. Aravind Bala, right? Welcome to Rome FM. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Norman?
1: I am doing fantastic. And I am also really excited because we have you on uh, this show, finally. Because I know that you've been doing quite a few things, helping out people with your amazing static sites. I've seen your Andy's Notes packages. Yeah, Yeah, which Mm is, whoa, uh, amazing. Seeing all of this activity coming from you, uh, and I got to see it because through Rome, I saw your profile on Twitter. And I was like, whoa, this is fantastic. So it's nice to see uh, that you are here uh, and that we get to meet. So let's talk about that. If we do a little bit of time travel back to the dark times, because I know that you're using Rome right now, Rome and Notion. If you could confirm those two, yep. Awesome. So yeah. <laughs> the dark times before you stumbled into the tool, uh, what were you doing, and how did you discover Rome?
0: So I got into like note taking way earlier, like three to four years ago, and I was using Evernote at that time. And these concepts of, like, second brain and note-taking, all these things started when I started using Evernote. From then, it, like, traveled to, like, different apps. The main thing that was I was doing with Evernote was, like, capturing things from the internet. So, hoping that it would help me in the future. It's just capturing uh, stuff from the internet. Nothing, I mean, I wouldn't do any post-processing on them. I would rarely go back to those notes, but... I was capturing a lot of information in Evernote and then suddenly Notion comes up like three to four years later. I mean, in the recent times right? I've discovered Notion like two years ago, Uh, Notion comes up and it has this beautiful templates where if I want to write a blog post, I can like have a template which has some meta questions for me. Meta questions as in whom I want the audience to be or what is the point that I want to get across. So Notion helped me with all these things, all this templating stuff. And then, yeah, so that's why I stuck to Notion for a long time. I still use Notion like for like, planning all the projects with teams because the collaboration on Notion is like very good. And then uh, on Twitter, I discovered Rome, and then that took me to exploring these tools and I had a huge thread on Twitter saying why Rome is different from all the other note taking apps that are there uh, which the point mainly was you don't need any uh, categorization you can just write thoughts as you get and that's how your brain is right it doesn't have a structure to it Evernote has this notebooks note structure and then you can use tags and then Notion also has unlimited notebook structure you can call it that way when you Compare it with Evernote, and then Rome doesn't have any of this. It it can be as you wish, or without any structure as well. I mean, that would get a little overwhelming, but yeah, that it can be that way. Uh, so that's how I discovered Rome, and then I liked it a lot, and like trying to stick with it.
1: And now, currently, you're using both Notion and Rome. Where where does Evernote go? Is it just does it just go into bin? You're just completely
0: yeah. I took an (laughs) import or took an export from Evernote, uh, put it everything in Notion so that Mm. if I want anything, if I can search for stuff in Notion pretty well. So if there are any notes that I want to search, all the content is already there in Notion. So I don't really use Evernote at all. But there is one interesting feature of Evernote, Mm. where is you can mail things to it. So you can export Uh. your Kindle highlights uh, to a mail. Or you can mail them to Evernote so it gets a good copy so like I I once in the like past month I've used once Evernote to like copy things to Roam again I feel uh, a lot of software should be as a bridge between uh bridge in the sense connecting your workflows so it should have a good import and export options so that Mm. it doesn't require you to stick with a certain tool.
1: Yeah. And we're seeing that really well with Notion, especially Yeah. because I discovered Notion a year ago, I believe. Yeah. I think it was a year ago. And the immediate feature that caught me, other than the really pretty design and the way that you can really format these blocks to make like a really pretty what seems like a static page but you know you can always edit it over time is the import function and there are so many different formats to that notion can support when it comes to importing and you know for like yourself like you made use of the evernotes uh, I also made use of uh, evernote imports and I also made use of Google Docs so those were really really important because I had I had a lot of friction from using Evernote and then I switched to this like G Drive Google Doc formatting system, sort of like a prototype of Para. I made my own version and then I mm-hmm. found Notion. I'm like, oh, this was much better. And then all of a sudden I was blinded by the light and here came Rome. Uh the the wonders of this <laughs> magical tool. And I'm curious, you did mention that we shouldn't be confined to note-taking systems. So we should have really good import-export features. Was it really jarring to have an import feature from Evernote to Rome because if you put this on the spectrum of rigid note taking systems, Evernote is one of the most rigid softwares ever made because it it you have to use it a certain way the notebook and the tagging system, and then all of a sudden you have to throw it all away, change your mindset, and then import that into this freeform space that is Rome. Was it difficult to go from something as rigid as Evernote into something as Rome?
0: Uh, I I don't feel that I mean I didn't face that because maybe I went to Notion in between and then came to Mm -hmm. Rome. I don't have all of the Evernote stuff in Rome yet I have Mm -hmm. them in Notion so uh, I don't feel that uh, rigidness because I've used Notion and Notion is also kind of a freeform tool where you can have your unlimited nesting and you can make it work for you basically I don't think the rigidness ever impacted me in Rome, And I am using Rome for that specific feature. I mean, not being rigid, right? I mean, it is a free flow software.
1: Yeah, it's like one of the most exciting parts about it, that anything can go in and it's free flowing. And whatever that you see on the screen is the result of what you think. And I think it's closest Mm -hmm. to the shape of our thoughts, which is really fantastic. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that's why uh, we love the tool. Just a quick question. What is your workflow in Notion? I'm really curious about that.
0: Uh, Right now, I use Notion for uh, team projects. I mean, uh, like to collaborate with other people on Notion. So on a daily basis, I use Roam. I have a day template using Alfred. Uh, So I type in dash dash RD and a day pops up using, uh, asking me a few questions like the morning pages, evening pages and what I want to do that day all these questions and Notion is now more of a collaboration tool for me.
1: Uh, Okay. Okay. So you've now defined the roles of these few apps where Notion is more front facing with other people and Rome is more Mm -hmm. just on you. Okay. Okay. This is interesting because I came to that same conclusion myself. This is going to be, people are going to kill me for this as the host of Rome (laughs) FM. I do the same. So for Notion, I, I use that for my clients. So we would have Mm -hmm. a shared page and, anything front facing or anything output based. I would just post it up there and I can just share them the, you know, copy paste the link and be like, hey, this is what I did. You can, you know, do a checklist or whatever. And then Rome is more for my own private things. Mm-hmm. Um that that's what makes it interesting. And I'm really curious about the future of Rome where they might be able to replicate that collaborative activity. But we'll see.
0: I mean that's one of the pain points that Rome has because mm. uh it, it takes up time to load initially. Ah, yeah. That spinner. That spinner. And for like people like me who live in a low network connectivity areas, uh, it, sometimes it's forever. Ah, so the, okay. So after that initial start, uh, it, it all works offline. You can navigate pretty much very easily when it is loaded, but the initial load takes time. So if you want to... Uh, share client briefings or mm. uh, client meetings with others uh, notion does this very good thing that it it is loaded instantly and I take it from me notion is like prettier than rome without any configuration right so uh, yeah public facing notion is better uh, and rome has its own advantage when it's just you using it i mean that's the uh, same reason that i have for not creating a public room database because I don't ah, want people okay. waiting. I already feel the pain of refreshing a room tab or closing the tab <laughs> and opening it again. So I don't want people to face that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm seeing that friction a lot, uh, especially when there are others who have their public rooms or their digital gardens done through Rome. And it's already painful enough to have the Astrolab spinning Uh, (laughs) staring into your soul as you're waiting to get access to your thoughts. And it's another thing to have that same experience be presented to somebody else who's interested in reading about your notes. Yeah, um, if we can get that fixed, that would be pretty interesting. And not, not that you brought it up, being in a low connectivity area means that, I'm assuming you really do have to change your routine around accessing Rome in a certain way. Do you just... When you turn on your MacBook, do you just have Rome like one Chrome window dedicated to Rome open, and then you just wait five minutes while doing other things like grab a coffee or something uh, like that?
0: So there is a good part to Rome as well. Where once it is loaded, if you don't close the tab, it never dies. So I never turn my MacBook off. <laughs> <laughs> I only do it if there is an update pending, and I know that there is an active internet connection. So <laughs> it's a pretty good way, good that uh, Rome, Rome does this because they are planning to like work completely offline, yep, make yep. the app work completely offline. And this is a very good thing that you don't need internet once the page or once that initial load is done. And it is a very good uh, sync also because uh, when you turn off the internet, it has, it shows that these many changes are pending in your local machine. And uh, the remote server has been updated last at this timestamp and all. So it works pretty well offline, but that just that the initial start is a little painful.
1: Maybe it's the excitement from getting access to our roam that is making it a lot longer than it actually is. The impatience uh, of trying to get access to your graph and then just staring at this thing. That is just laughing at us by spinning uh, mm-hmm. indefinitely. These like these like twenty three inch rims uh, that are black in color and just staring back at us. It's a, uh, it's a uh, crazy. So let's talk about your workflow. So once this Rome is finally loaded, you go past the spinning astrolab, and you now get access to your Rome. You have your Alfred Day template ready. You have your morning pages, and you have the things to do. Could you tell me what goes into your Rome? Like what are the different kinds of information that goes into your room? Does it range from like books to podcasts or is it mainly through uh, things and information or knowledge related to your current work?
0: So the main part is all the books and the podcast notes that I take. Mm. Uh, so I have a page for each book that I read and then I take notes while reading the book, not uh, directly in Rome, but in other apps like Simple Note if I'm on mm. Android or if I'm on on an iPad, I scribble using Notability, all this stuff. In the morning, I try to spend at least half an hour collecting all those fleeting notes and getting back into Rome and try to create permanent notes or, as Andy calls it, evergreen notes. This was a very good shift for me when I read this book called How to Take Smart Notes, which is mm. pretty popular in the Rome cult. Uh, so I, I wanted roam on every device and Uh, being in this low network connectivity it wasn't possible because if i don't have internet mobiles are not great at keeping a browser tab active so it would trigger the reloads and things would be lost so reading this book like gave me a a understanding that there are two types of notes one is fleeting notes and one it's permanent notes so fleeting notes can be everywhere anywhere and if you want that fleeting note to be useful, that should c- come back to your knowledge management system or your Rome, mm-hmm. and then like in a way be a permanent note. So I try uh, collecting all my fleeting notes and getting them back to Rome, and I see if I have I had the I had similar notes, and I try to interconnect them, mm. uh, and yeah, so. If sometimes I don't even spend half an hour sometimes I just spend five minutes Uh, if I have a lot of things to do at work then I just spend uh, five to ten minutes writing my morning pages morning pages is basically a way for me to clear things out of my head and uh, it's like a windscreen it would wipe off all the things and would give Hmm. me a clear focus for the day so that helps and yeah, so basically the routine is converting those fleeting notes to permanent notes.
1: Do you convert all of your fleeting notes or is there a percentage of fleeting notes that just gets thrown away? Because I I guess at first glance you're like, oh, this seems like a really nice note to take. And then, you know, at night you come back and you're like, what the hell was I writing here?
0: That, that happens. Uh, when that <laughs> happens, I just copy paste things here, uh, like hoping that I will come back to them in the future and uh, like working on them. But yeah, that happens. That happens quite often. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And uh, (laughs) well, if we... Let's talk about recent notes then. What are some of the interesting permanent notes that you've created? If you're okay with that. Uh, I don't know if it's like too private or something.
0: So I was uh, reading this book How to Take Smart Notes. Yeah. And... If you hear some keyboard clacks, then
1: that's my keyboard. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing the sounds of the Keychron with browned switches. Uh, yeah. Definitely a highly recommended mechanical keyboard by the Rome Cult. I'm not. I'm saying. It. No, no one's actually endorsing it. I'm just. It's it's just a keyboard yeah. that I've been looking at as well. But yeah, yeah, please.
0: Yeah. So when I open this book, I have a few Evernote's, uh, Evergreen notes. <laughs> uh, one <laughs> says write notes in your own words which which means uh we i used to collect a lot of information so i just copy paste things and then forget about it but Mm -hmm. i realized when i type things on my own or uh, have a copy from the original source but try to translate that into my own words then that basically helps me remember and also understand it better so that was a uh, evergreen note that is in this book yeah and then the other audiobook that i was listening to is lynchpin uh it is a book that talks about work culture and how to become a good uh all-rounder at work indispensable at work so i've been here listening to this book and i have two evergreens in this book which is emotional skills to become a lynchpin what this taught me is Uh, normally we try to develop technical skills that help us at our jobs but that is very uh, i mean everyone can do that if you have only technical skills and nothing else you will just be a uh, you you will be replaceable easily you'll just be a cog in the wheel but to become an actual linchpin you should add emotional labor to it emotional labor is uh like doing the extra thing or doing that extra part talking to people about it or thinking about the product that you're developing from a customer's point of view.
1: Like elements Uh, of empathy or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Having that
0: empathy towards your work. So that uh, is part of emotional labor and that helps you become a better employee or become a linchpin. And Hmm. one more thing is that recommendations are more valuable than resumes. So if you are a linchpin, you wouldn't need a resume because your work will talk for itself and people who worked with you will be be like having enough resources to recommend you to your future employer. Probably that you're working publicly on Twitter and you share a lot of things. And then when people look at your uh, Twitter profile, they come to know the work that you've already done. And... The what resume does is the initial qualifying for an interview, right? To get yep. uh, to get that conversation going, but your work has potential to do that, and like that is what this evergreen note talks about.
1: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So
0: these yeah. are the recent ones that I had.
1: It's really fascinating to hear your evergreen notes on one book. And then putting that into row because I'm starting to see the possibilities of hearing other people's interpretations, perspectives and or evergreen notes on the same book. So say if uh, you have your show, Learning Curve, and you bring someone on as a guest on the show and you ask them about their evergreen notes on Lynchpin, how different would it be or... How much would they agree or disagree with the same, you know, potential notes or main points that you would uh, touch on and then see what's the magic that comes out of that conversation. I'm really, I'm really curious about that because I think that would lead to some very fascinating rabbit holes that we can get into.
0: Mm. That's why I like uh, publishing parts of your notes online. Because that has the potential to strike ideas in the person who's reading it. And maybe those ideas get remixed and something very fascinating gets created out of it. So that's the reason I have a part of my uh, evergreen notes or part of my notes public at com, And I use my, like the theme that I created, Gatsby theme for creating
1: it of course uh, one of the most uh, popular gatsby themes uh, because it is uh, quite a really good replication of andy matuszczak's public notes page uh, that's the best way to call it but well let's let's talk about that because there, there are two parts to this since one you built the theme which is mind-blowing because i feel or i think that andy hasn't really released anything about that is that? Yeah,
0: it's closed. I mean, the source yeah. of that project is closed.
1: Yeah. So, I'm not sure uh, how technical are we gonna get into this, but uh, let's. I'm just gonna go straight into it. How did you build that?
0: So I'd say it's. Uh, I didn't build things from scratch, but yeah. I could curate things that are already built and may get this working. Ah. Oh, uh, okay. P- power of open open source, maybe. So it's curation at its best. So I discovered Andy's website through Max Stobier. Uh he he works at Gatsby and he built his own notes uh, website. I think he got the source from Andy and then he uh, wrote wrote his things but he was trying to like figure out a way uh, to build it using Gatsby. Uh, so when he talked about it on Twitter, I like came across this theme from. Angus, so he created Gatsby theme brain, which is which lets you use the double bracket notation that Rome has and interlink your uh, web pages in your website. Okay. So when this came out, I was really excited to like stitch that together and uh, replicate Andy's uh, website, but it wasn't completely possible. I could just get the Note previews working when you hover on a internal note, it you get a preview of what's in that page. Yeah, I could get only that working, but then uh, another guy called Matthew came in and he had a trick to like put the pages side by side without like losing the context or horizontally scrolling the pages. When all these are combined, what you got is Gatsby theme Andy.
1: Oh, okay, cool. So this is the result of a combination of people working in public yeah and striking up these ideas or striking up these potential connections because without without max like getting the source or talking about trying to replicate the mm-hmm. uh the Andy's notes in a different language or in Gatsby specifically you wouldn't yeah. have even tried or even knew about the website in the first place yeah. oh, okay okay this is pretty interesting Ah. <laughs> oh, okay so when all of the members Uh, contributed so not only you and also Matthew and Max all put it together and you gave birth to this amazing uh theme what was the feedback uh by people who you know were trying to do their own digital garden or just had this fascination with Andy's notes uh what were some of the responses I
0: realized Andy had a lot of following I mean many people were fascinated by his style of uh notes website and I I mean I really wanted to get it working but I didn't know that it would have a lot of people who wanting their own uh, website out i mean as andy's website and uh, when i tweeted the output or the working uh, snapshots uh, max was really excited and max was sharing or retweeting my tweets and that's how i got a lot of people interested in my work and most of the followers that i have now are from that <laughs> and I got invited into this Telegram uh, channel called Digital Gardeners. Uh, so all the good things that happened were because of the work that happened in the Gatsby theme, Andy. Oh wow!
1: Oh, I like this. It's like the architect <laughs> of uh, people trying to start off their uh, their first ever digital garden yeah. because they see this amazing shining example done by Andy, and you could make it and essentially make it a lot more accessible to the public since. Yeah, I'm assuming the setup is pretty simple or at least yeah. doesn't take that much to set it up and you just need your markdown files and mm. from there.
0: Setup is like simple now. Uh, mm. Earlier it didn't. It wasn't because, I mean, what I did now is that you get basic Andy's theme by default without any configurations. You could just put your markdown files there and build a website out of it. But earlier it wasn't the same thing. You had to write a few styles to make mm. it look like Andy's theme now what i've did is uh, those styles come by default and if, if you want extra features or like a different colors a dark theme you could do that by adding a few things i've uh, like made made it like that now so uh, this would like help people to start off easier even if you're not completely technical you could follow the steps as is and get a website working
1: yeah i'm going to need to do that because I'm gonna need to uh, have my own uh, digital garden out there, and I've been—I—I uh, I, I wanted to—I wanted to do the leap of faith and have my notes out there in public. But I'm a bit afraid, uh, still at that stage, but uh, we'll see. So I really do appreciate that uh, that you could make a theme that is really accessible, especially for non-technicals. Uh, I'm definitely in that uh, group. Hey, here's well, here's one thing though, because I know that you have your own. You're using the theme, and you have your own notes that are you know, drafts or in progress or they're unfinished or they're not as, shall we say, refined as a full blog post or anything like that. Could you tell me what goes into your notes? Like what's considered publishable onto your notes and what are the different kinds of things that you actually talk about?
0: So take it from me, nothing is concrete yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have a strategy, working strategy yet. (laughs) So what uh, what I tend to do is if I find something interesting, I... Uh, start recording a thought in Rome. Uh, Probably tweet it as well. And then if I have a bunch of thoughts on a topic or the permanent notes that I already formed, these go to my public notes website.
1: Ah, okay. Okay. I see. Uh,
0: All the like evergreen notes or the permanent notes and uh, some things that I've been thinking from long ago, all these things go to my notes website and if i think a note has gone under a lot of refinement and it's it's on my mind for like really long time and i have a lot of content around it then i turn that into a a blog post uh, for an example i've been thinking about second brain a lot mm. uh, so i have a few notes in my notes website i click tweet a lot i have a few podcast episodes uh on that topic one is like what is a second brain And one is how to organize your second brain. So I have a lot of content on second brain. So I thought, why don't I like segregate all these things into one place and make a blog post out of it. So now I have a blog post in my actual website called arvindbala.com. So I think that's the process. And this is subject to change. Mm. (laughs) I don't have a concrete or a proper workflow yet. But yeah, getting there.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it doesn't have to stay, Um, you know, your creation process. It doesn't have to be the same as long as it works uh, right now. I, I find it really interesting that you start off from a thought in Rome, it becomes a thread, then maybe it gets published on Twitter or it gets turned into an evergreen note or a permanent note that gets published uh, onto your notes. Does that mean that every evergreen note or every permanent note is on the notes or is it only a select few
0: it's right now it's a select few but i think all the permanent notes can be public if i don't have anything personal in here i think it can be public but but it's been a long time i've updated my notes (laughs) website, and i'm guilty for that
1: yeah well now we have this episode coming out i'm pretty sure you'd want to update it so it'll look a little (laughs) bit more uh, uh dense full of information okay so that means that's this is interesting because i really want to dive into that um the standard of a permanent note or the standard of an evergreen note seems to me at least from my understanding of how you're looking at it is that once you put that tag on that note it is presentable on your notes
0: Yeah, it is presentable and uh, people who look at it should understand without any background or without any context. It should like speak for itself. That's how I define an evergreen note.
1: Ah, okay. So uh, how long does it normally take for like one messy fleeting note to become permanent or evergreen?
0: Depends. I i don't know and i i don't have those many evergreen notes because mm. uh, i've i've gotten into this system of note taking very recently so okay. i think i have uh, five to 10 evergreen notes now and everything is still evolving i don't have presentable ones yet and mm. by when the time i developed uh, gatsby theme andy and i had a few notes i like didn't know this concept of uh Uh, evergreen or permanent notes and fleeting notes. All these things were discovered very recently. So a lot of things that are on that notes website are thoughts, basically. No uh, categorization as uh, permanent or fleeting, but they are present there. That's it.
1: Uh, Okay, I see. So pretty much a really good collection of the ones that you have taken some time into Uh, Even if you have more evergreen notes in your room, it's only a select view. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, right. No, I I like that. It it seems like it's a pretty good filter because maybe we set certain rules on ourselves when it comes to doing a digital garden in that every single evergreen note must be published or all evergreen notes have to be this level of standard. And that's when it gets pretty subjective because there are no rules for a digital garden. Uh, So even I'm finding it a little bit gray when asking anybody really about their public notes, like what's considered publishable, um, how many words minimum, right? Even if it works by itself, does it have to be a strong case or can it just be a thought, right? Can it just be like random mindless uh wandering so that i'm sure that's that's something that from how you're seeing other people use your theme will result in a myriad different kinds of notes so uh, i think that will be uh pretty fascinating
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think at the end of the day it's your garden and uh it can be however you wish you can have rose plants you can have creepers you can have decorative plants it's uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your garden and it's your uh, wish to grow it in the way you want.
1: <laughs> now to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned that one of the ways that you would deep dive further into a topic or into something that you've just been thinking about is uh, to make a podcast episode about it. So, of course... I'm going to be talking or asking uh, questions about your podcast, seeing is how we are on Rome FM, the podcast uh, for the Rome cult. So let's dive into this. Your show is called Learning Curve Podcast. And uh, could you just tell me a, you know, like a brief summary as to what is the Learning Curve and uh, how did you get the name?
0: Aha, uh-huh. that's an interesting question. So <laughs> I have this friend called Brithik, who is the co-host of Learning Curve Podcast. And I met him like two, three years ago at a co-working space. Uh, I work remotely and I used to go to a co-working space when the times were good. (laughs) 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 So we met there and uh, whenever we talk, uh, Mm -hmm. we we used to feel this, uh, we used to have this feeling of uh, like things clicking in or resonating a lot with each other. And whenever we like had long chats, we wished, oh, this should have been recorded. Mm. And because, uh, I mean, you have that good feeling when you like talk and then immediately resonate with the other person. Right. So we used to have this a lot and we had plans of starting a podcast, but we didn't. And suddenly one day we met at a cafe, uh, like just to sit and work. And then he asked me if you if I wanted to start a podcast with him. Then like, it was like, I, I didn't even like think for a second, but said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it was started. And we were searching for names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of options, I guess. Uh, one is uh, afternoon talks or like late night chats. Oh my goodness. Or <laughs> all this. But uh, we ended up uh, calling it learning curve because we feel we are still, uh, everyone has a learning curve and what we do mostly on that podcast is share our journey and our experience with the things that we are learning each day so learning curve made a lot of sense and then we when we searched online for good domain names learning curve.dev was available and guys that's the uh, that's where you can find our podcast it's <laughs> on learningcurve.dev <laughs>
1: i right, have been going hard with the with the plugins uh... Oh, that, that, that was that was pretty good. I, I have to say that was quite smooth. I was going to put your 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 show uh, in the in the show notes. Of course, uh, links to everything uh, will be in the public uh, Rome FM graph. And now we are affiliated to in, to a certain degree with the Learning Curve Podcast, so I'm sure that I can point potential listeners uh, your way. This is interesting because the serendipity or the what's what's the word for it? There's a certain euphoria. Behind a very interesting, great conversation, and you felt this really well with Crete, with Britik, yeah. And and all of a sudden, you're regretting the fact that some of these conversations were not recorded. So you decided to start a podcast, um, out of it. I'm really curious now. Wait, first of all, does Britik use Rome?
0: Uh, he uses bear.
1: He uses bear. Boo. No, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, but. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah. But but to a certain degree, he does care about note-taking. So that's that's already fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that you're able to have conversations with someone while on air so that the rest of the world can appreciate that and gain the same level of wisdom. Uh, so I, I really do like that. Here's the thing, though. Do you get that same feeling with Britick as you do with other Rome cult members?
0: Uh, I've not talked a lot with other Rome cult members. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you're the first person that I'm having a long conversation with. So, yes, I do.
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yes. I'm setting the example. Uh, And, uh, of course, really, um, a lot of the Rome Cult members are really up for talking. Lots and lots of talking, going the full range. I call it mental agility. So, Mm -hmm. the ability to jump from topic to topic and not really being tired of it. Because we can go from... Gatsby to JS to Andy's notes to Rome to the future of Rome and Rome cult members and I'm pretty sure that from the outside looking in, if I'm jumping from field to field like this, I would sound crazy. But for some reason, I trust you well enough that you can keep up with me, or you can even be even faster than me, jumping from topic to topic. And I'll be like, "Whoa, Er it's so cool!" Uh, okay,
0: that's Rome cult for you. <laughs> <laughs> Did, do you get i like the term mental agility i just made a note in my room
1: <laughs> hmm. awesome okay All right I, I hope to see uh that note uh in your digital garden uh with my name on it uh somewhere the Rome yeah. fm stamp <laughs> on the side <laughs> but yeah yeah it's um i'm sure i'm sure that term is used somewhere else it's just uh i i just conjured up that that definition um Because it it serves as a really good filter because we have many different kinds of conversations that we get throughout the many different individuals we meet. These conversations can range from one topic for, for a really long time or one conversation for a really long time, but many different topics. And that doesn't really detract from someone's level of intelligence or level of thinking or anything like that. It's just that can they jump from topic to topic, right? That's just another dynamic to think about. and. I'm sure that you know someone who is really, really passionate about one topic and then you switch to another one, you're like, uh, I don't know what to do. And that's when it can get a little bit difficult. But here's a very interesting question uh for you, and I'm sure that you can play. Since I'm the very first Rome cult member that you've talked with, before we've talked, uh what do you think a Rome cult conversation would be like?
0: I expected almost the same because mm. uh, we are, uh, I think people in Rome cult, the members of Rome cult are interested in note-taking. Mm. And that's what is tying all of us together. So as a cult, I uh, I expect a lot of discussions on improving thinking, on taking better notes and how your notes can help you in the future. Uh, basically, how your thoughts can... Help you in the future, or how your thoughts can surprise you—all these kind of things. So, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I I can see that happening a lot. Um, which is really interesting because that field is very universal. Even if we have different specialties, even if we have different backgrounds or walks of life, uh, and when it all comes down to it, all of these fields require a certain level of note taking. Another way to put it, because note-taking can seem like a pretty simple activity, like just writing something on pen and paper, information capture, information capture and knowledge synthesis, right? Those are the big two. And serendipity is basically the environment in which these two thrive and whatever that comes out of it is a unique representation of who you are. And in this case, like you acquired knowledge synthesis from all the people that you've seen their work in Gatsby and you have this amazing information capture system that you want to see replicated either online from seeing somebody else. And all of a sudden you have this amazing theme that everyone's using, which is like so cool. It's mind blowing. Uh, It's nice to see, like, I could like visualize the dots where like all these things connected. Um, So it's nice to see that Rome is really mimicking that interconnectivity between people's efforts. So yeah, I would love to see more of that happen. Is there anything that you want to see more from Rome when it comes to your specialty, which is Gatsby and JS and all of that? Do you think that there's something that can happen as a result of marrying these two together in the future?
0: I'm very uh, like keen for the API to roll out. Hmm. So I don't have to export things and build a Gatsby website out of it, but I can just, uh, like with the push of a button, a script automatically... Fetches things from this Rome API and filters all the notes that can be published and publish them So I am like waiting for API to Be released that would actually uh, Not only help uh, The gatsby side of it, but it would have a lot of advantages For I mean there are a lot of possibilities people can start building apps out of it Without even Rome people or uh, uh, rome actually rolling out an app uh, third party apps can be built the community apps i mean that's the power of the cult right maybe people can come out with web clippers mm. when there is an actual api i mean we have hacky things already but uh, with the api things would get more robust right so yeah. the api has a lot of possibilities and i'm waiting for it
1: is that the one thing that you want to build that streamlined uh script to easily publish your own version? Ah uh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I would love that Sorry. to happen as well um we're we're seeing a lot of alternatives when it comes to exporting notes from Rome into say a markdown file system, and then they are connected via bidirectional linking which is fantastic right which which is fantastic we see a lot of these amazing softwares and applications and or uh tools pop up that cater for that but once the api comes out there is going to be quite a shall we say a shock and what is possible and even yeah. if we have the majority of the Rome cult being non-technical I might be completely wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are technical, but let's just say that there's a lot of people who are non-technical in Rome to talk about potential ideas and or interfaces and or scripts or APIs or even processes that they want to see happen from that same one graph. That will lead to something that you've experienced, which is you see something on Twitter and you're like I want to build that. And it will be the same for somebody else who maybe can do something better or even prettier. Um, but it's all from the same thing, which is Rome. So I'm really excited. I I would love to see a lot more applications being made. I'm not sure what's the correct term for it. I guess interfaces uh, or pseudo applications, Um, but yeah. I I asked you about your podcast, but I never actually asked you what's your workflow for trying to plan an episode. So could you tell me uh, how does a learning curve episode get planned and published uh, through Rome?
0: Uh, we don't have a solid process for this yet, but mm. what we do right now is we get on a call and talk about uninteresting things that we learned recently. And uh, like if, if it is like mutually interesting for both of us, then we plan out a uh, episode out of it, and like we uh, we, we record things locally. We don't record on Zoom calls or anything because both mm-hmm. of us uh, have bad internet. So we record things locally and send over the files and get things edited. But the planning process, it more looks like things that we are learning on a day-to-day basis. If it is the case that I am completely new to the topic, then uh, in that episode, uh, I'll, I'll have Britik explaining me about that topic. And mm-hmm. if it is something that britik doesn't know and I have figured out or I've discovered and I'm really excited to tell it to him, we do it on the podcast. There were a few episodes that we planned in the beginning uh, where we already talked about it because, uh, I mean, we had this feeling of not having our chats or our uh, talks recorded right so we write, wrote down a bunch of topics and uh, the first episodes were like that we we knew that these were a set of topics that we wanted to talk about or we have already talked about and then we would uh, write down a few like headings or uh, the outline of how the episode should look like and then we would go record We we are not perfect in this because there were a lot of times when we messed up uh, we would record episodes two or three times uh, yeah. because we thought that the episode would be well, but the structure was very confusing when it finally was recorded. So we planned to re record it. So, all these were learnings uh, that we had while uh, planning an episode, and now we have a very good uh, structure to planning. In the sense, we like at least talk about the outline of how an episode should uh, look like. And uh, we like after planning, we take a day gap and then uh, start recording. Usually that is on in the early mornings because we don't have a lot of environmental sounds. <laughs>
1: uh, okay.
0: Yeah. So that's that's how we uh, come out with an episode.
1: Okay. I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a combination of, as long as you have an outline, a general direction, the rest of it is free form and whoever is more informed of the topic can probably lead the conversation. Uh, I like that. Uh, That's a pretty good dynamic because it's quite flexible, especially on a podcast about your journeys and learning something. It's going to be different every week since the both of you might be learning about something completely different. Or learning it together, but you have two different perspectives. Oh, okay. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like listening to people's um, workflows, especially when trying to create a podcast, because we have different ways to do it and there's a different rationale to it, right? You're like, you have yeah. your amazing dynamic with Britik, and uh, it's, it's nice to hear that that's how you balance out co-hosting and to uh, wrap up this conversation because i know uh, that we are very busy in our times uh, being on our private rome graphs uh, thinking and synthesizing more knowledge i would like to close off this conversation with a couple of segments Uh, arvin i'm sure that you have potentially over prepared for these questions but just in case i will ask you anyway so the first question is how would you describe rome to someone who hasn't started using it yet
0: i would say it's more of a thought taking tool thought recording tool which will surprise you in the future
1: a thought and, recording tool that will surprise you in the future okay okay
0: and then i mean uh, this can potentially get the conversation starting when you are uh, speaking about rome to people who haven't used it yet so, and then, because if you straight away go to uh features like backlinking uh and all the good things that we have in Rome, people will not get it because uh, obvious questions will be like, why do you even need a backlinking? Why can't mm-hmm. you just take take notes on a paper or a on a another app So I think yeah, the most uh important feature or I think the best thing to describe it is as it is a Thought
1: taking tool, okay. A thought taking tool. Okay. All right. Another interesting perspective, especially when we don't want to overwhelm people with features. That's one big thing, because I can throw you, like I can throw at you like thirty different features of Rome, and if you're not a user, you're just gonna be like, what? Why? Right? I don't um, even need that. Yeah. Why? Right? Yeah. Like an iPhone has a billion features, but how people market iPhones is that it looks really pretty and you will feel or you will gain a certain identity or a brand that you resonate with if you buy it. That's all you talk about, right? You you buy the why behind the product. As long as we communicate that to someone when we're trying to introduce the tool and not just bombard them with how-to guides on publishing it public and all that, um, that's, that's when it gets uh, really great uh, and add more people to the cult because there's nothing wrong with that, totally. I am not being heretical or crazy in any way, shape, or form. And now the second and final question. What does Rome mean to you?
0: Rome is a tool that lets me uh, think better and synthesize all the information that I consume because prior to Rome I I just captured thoughts or captured information but never uh, planned or never like had to like revisit them and think how that fits in in my life but with rome i do it i think it's just a mental shift but rome has enabled me to do that earlier to rome i never thought backlinking would be so powerful or block references would be so powerful but uh like rome and the rome cult uh, you seeing how people use it has really like gotten me into uh thinking better is what I would say.
1: All right, fantastic. And that is a great note to end on. The mental shift from just randomly or mindlessly capturing something and instead taking a lot more effort into actively try to apply it uh, either to knowledge, uh, if you look at it from a different perspective, an, an element of emotional labor into all of the notes that you are taking. So... Fantastic right. to end this on, Arvin. If we want to contact you to talk to you more about uh, your themes or anything that we talked about in this conversation, what is the best way to do that?
0: Twitter. Twitter would be the best. Please send me out a DM. I'd be happy to answer. I'd be happy to talk. And even if you want help with setting up the theme and creating your website, I'd be happy to help.
1: Fantastic. And Arvin's Twitter and the theme itself as well as the learning curve podcast and uh, your personal website and the notes oh so many links all of these links will be in the public Rome fm graph uh, down below so aravind thank you and i will see you on twitter bye thank you for listening to the show make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app And for a full version of the show notes to this episode, you can check out the public Rome graph. The link to that will be in the description right below. For more updates, comments, feedback, and suggestions, you can reach out to me at RomeFM on Twitter. Keep roaming your thoughts, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.